Let's take it from uh, verse 1, of course. And we're going to be turning to a lot of verses today. There's a lot of verses in this chapter itself. It's got 58 verses. Ooh. But uh, let's read together. Let's, uh, let's give God's word a reading because after all is said and done, we're here for God's word. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, uh, if you don't know the Lord, if you are not born again, if you're not saved, if you don't know the God of this universe, it starts with opening yourself up to his word. And I remember when I was, uh, I was a high school teacher for 32 years, and the kids used to always say back then, this is old, they used to say, word, word. I used to say, you got it, word, if you only knew the word, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to, let's go to 20, at least half point, all right? Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me as of one born out of due time. This is Paul speaking of himself. For I am the least of the apostles. Wow. That I, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Again, this is the apostle Paul speaking. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. For I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be, the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Father God, thank you so much for uh, bringing us this morning, Lord, uh, here. I believe it's your spirit that woos us to come here today, Lord, to hear your word, to read your word, Lord. Father, give us believing hearts, Lord. Father, if there be a doubter in the crowd, may your word, uh, through your spirit, Lord, penetrate that doubting heart, Lord. May it open those spiritual eyes that they might see Jesus Christ, that they might too be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, 
like I was saying, uh, chapter 15 is a big chapter. Uh, and I, I guess you, you might say it's amongst the top 10 of the chapters in the Bible. There's a lot of chapters in the Bible, about around 1,200, let's say. But uh, definitely top 10. I, and I know, Brother Ed, Brother Ed, it's all good. Amen. It's good. It's all good. Chapter 15, uh, its topic is the resurrection. And that's very relevant. That's relevant. All right? So uh, it's a good thing to know. And, uh, you know, listen, if there's no resurrection, if we only had Christmas without Easter, right? What are we doing here, folks? What are we doing here, right? Uh, as Pastor Dean, uh, I love quoting him, uh, would say, uh, if there's no resurrection, we might as well go shoot some pool. <laughs> Wasting our time here. Right? Right? Paul says it this way. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. We're in chapter 15. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Miserable? How so, Paul? Well, he says it. Look at verse 30. 1 Corinthians 15, 30. And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is that me? If the dead rise not, let us eat, drink, and drink, for tomorrow we die. Right? All right, so I'm not sure if those beasts in Ephesus were literal or figurative, but it's not good. It's not good. All right? And you don't have to turn there, but listen to how Paul describes in second. I want you to stay in 1 Corinthians. I'll tell you when to turn. Listen to how he describes his miserable situation. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, and he says a lot like this throughout his books. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Yeah, that sounds miserable, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. But we know there's a hope beyond this life. Amen? Amen? But if it's in this life only, it gets worse than that. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, look what he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which have fallen asleep, that's died in Christ. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. That's a scary word. Because perish goes on into eternity. Separated from God. There is an eternity when time is no more. Separate. Now, I know we can't wrap our brains around that. Those all kinds of analogies, but eternity is when time is no more. Eternity goes on and on and on and on and on. And I want to be with God in eternity. And I thank Christ for that, and I'm sure I will. And I hope you too. I hope you too. Now, vain is a word that pops up four times in this chapter. We haven't read the whole chapter but if you want to make a note of it real quick, it's in verse 2, verse 14, verse 17, and verse 58. Vain is four times in this chapter. So we might as well define it, right? right? I'm sure you heard that, the word vain before, like that song. 
You know, you're so vain. You want to finish the song? I'm dating myself, right? But that's not what he's talking about here. That's vain like and conceited. You know, you think who you are. You think when you walk into a room, everybody's looking at you, right? That's not what he's talking about here. Vain in this case is not like the song, right? Vain in this case, when he says your faith is vain, it means of no use, of no effect. You're playing yourself, in other words, saying it. All right? Think about it. And that would certainly be the case. If Jesus Christ wasn't resurrected, if he's still in the grave like Muhammad and Buddha and all the other religious fakes, man, man. But the story is, the story ends good, and it's not just a story, it's a record. He was resurrected. He was resurrected. All right? That's important to know. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves to the world, because this wasn't done in a corner, it proves to the world that Jesus is who he said he is. Think about it. He conquered death. Jesus was the son of God. God manifested in the flesh, living a life, a perfect life. You and I can never live. He died as the Lamb of God, unblemished, perfect. And yet he took our sin, our sin, your sin and mine, upon him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The angel said, what? Be not affrighted. Be not afraid, in other words. He's not here. He's not here. He's not here. And look how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. I love how he says it. After he goes through that whole legal argument. You see, he was a student of the law, Paul. A Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews. So that's why he goes through that whole argument. You know, if Christ be not risen, if he is risen, etc., etc. Right? A lawyer might appreciate that, right? And, uh, but then he ends it with this in verse 15. Look what he says there. But now... Is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits, the first fruits, right, of them that slept? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus conquered death. So, like I was saying, there's a lot in chapter 15. Chapter 15 is called the full mention. If you do a Bible student, there's more said about the resurrection, chapter 15, than any other chapter. It's all over the place. But chapter 15 is the place to start, if you're looking to study it. Excuse me. And uh, listen, there's, there's, in this chapter, I'm sure many of you have read it, maybe studied it, he, he addresses the evidence of the resurrection, right? He talks about uh, the parts of the first resurrection, because there's a first and a second. He talks about the nature of our resurrected bodies. And much, much more. And here's my point, because I know I'm, I'm looking at the clock, too. I'm going to try to be, respect your time. I don't plan on covering this whole chapter today, all right? One message is not going to do it, obviously, all right? Uh, so, uh, and I have a limited attention span, just like you, all right? Okay, I got I think today more, right? I think today more. I think this, this device here, which I keep in my pocket, has done a number on our attention span. Well, I got 10 seconds of attention. 10 seconds of attention. Entertain me. Entertain me. Entertain me. You know, so uh, 
I understand. I understand. Plus, you have Sunday's a good day to rest, and Sunday's a good day to go home and enjoy what, what God has given you. So I don't plan on covering this entire chapter. I do want to park on one thing that I believe the Lord laid on my heart to give to you. All right? So let's pray. Let's pray that the Lord uh, allows me to hide behind the cross. All right? And you get something good out of this. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. I'm going to park here. Let's read it together. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So, I need to park here because, hey Jack, all right, a quick read, a quick read of this verse here would lead you to think somehow our, our salvation, going to heaven and hell, is dependent on our memory. There's an if there, is there not? Right? That's a conditional. And uh, is Paul saying that my salvation depends on my memory? If so, we're all in trouble. Correct? I don't remember what I had for breakfast. We're all in trouble, folks, if it's dependent on our memory. All right? Think about it. Think about it. All right? So, so let me just say this right from the start. Don't panic. Here's the quick answer. Here's the quick answer. All right? This is insane. You can lose your eternal salvation. That's the quick answer. Now I got to show you. I got to show you book, chapter, and verse, what I think Paul means here. Okay? That's important. All right? We're going to break it down. So the question is this. What does it mean to believe the gospel in vain? And the title of this message would be, Don't Believe the Gospel in Vain. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right? So uh, some ground rules when you study the Bible, right? Uh, 2 Peter 1.20, don't turn there. I'll read. There's a lot of verses I'm going to give you. This is First Bible Church, correct? So you want scripture, right? Scripture, right? Little commentary, a lot of scripture. So 2 Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So I can't say, well, I got this, and you can't get it. No, everyone can get it if they read the scripture. All right? And 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So, in other words, you can't build a doctrine, a teaching, on one verse. That's what the cults do all the time. All right? There's one big cult out there that says uh, Matthew 16, 18. Right? In Matthew 16, 18, you can take notes as you want. You're probably familiar with this verse. There's one big cult, big cult out there that says, in reference to this verse, what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Based on this one verse, there's this big cult in the world that preaches and teaches that Christ built his kingdom on a man. Whew. Wow. A man who, four verses down the road, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Can't build a doctrine on one verse. That's what the cults do. That's what the cults do. Give another example. 
John 6, 54. Whoso eateth my flesh, Jesus said this. Jesus said it, we ought to listen. And drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Based on this one verse and a couple others that follow, there's a big cult out there, worldwide cult, that preaches its priest is able to turn its bread or whatever they give out on that day into the body of Jesus Christ. Wow. Think about that. It's called the doctrine of transubstantiation. Big name, which means just that. Wow. Think about it. Meanwhile, all you got to do is keep reading. Keep reading. Allow the word of God to teach you, not some man to teach you. Jesus said very clearly in John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, that gives life. Right? The flesh, even if you could turn it into the flesh of Christ, which you can't, the flesh profiteth what? Nothing. Nothing. Now, unless I'm surrounded by a bunch of evolutionists here who tell me nothing is something, nothing means nothing. Correct? Okay, good, good, good. I'm, I'm in the right church here. Okay, good, 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 good. All right, Jesus was not teaching his disciples to be cannibals. Come on, please, please. Another ground rule besides context, which is reading verses around that particular verse that you have in question, is that you should anchor your faith to some well-established biblical doctrines of the faith, of the Christian faith. That's what Paul refers to as the faith, the faith, right? And... Uh, this might sound like a commercial, but if you haven't been discipled yet, you have a discipleship program in this, in this church, correct, my brother? If you haven't been discipled yet, that's a good place to start. Do yourself a favor. Don't do me a favor. Stop watching the YouTube prophets. Stop watching them. Paul said to his right-hand man, which was Timothy, listen to what he said here. In 2 Timothy 3.14, I'll tell you when to turn. If those of you are taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, you can check me out. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. He said, uh, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Paul to Timothy. And has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Timothy knew who he learned it from. That's Paul the apostle. Right? He didn't just talk. He walked it. All right? Do you know these guys on the internet? Do you know them personally? How you do go to their churches? Do they even have a church? Come on. Come on, folks. Turn that thing off. Stop shopping for a church on the internet. Be part of a local assembly where the word of God is preached, where you know the elders of the church, and you look at them. Well, I see how they preach. Look how they walk. All right. That's a good place. That's a good place to start. A good place to stay and minister. Stop shopping around. So, again, again, that might sound like a commercial, but uh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> All right, I get a little excited about that. Amen. Now, listen, as far as the doctrines of the faith are concerned, Paul said a lot about getting saved. Amen. Right? He wrote a lot. Paul wrote, uh, what was it? 14 out of the 27 books in the New Testament? He was busy. 
So when it comes to salvation, let's see what Paul said first. Get that doctrine of salvation established in your own heart from reading the scriptures. So Paul said a lot. All right, Paul said in Romans 3.28, you can write this down if you want. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by what? By faith without the deeds of the Lord. In other words, no works. No works. Can't work your way to heaven. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. And that out of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's a gift. How dare you think that someday you're going to be able to, I don't know, earn this gift, the precious blood of Jesus Christ? Come on now. Come on. Galatians 2.16. Maybe you should turn to that one. I like this one. Because it helps you to, and keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 15. Galatians uh, 2.16. Because it helps me a little to understand what Paul is talking about when he refers to the faith. Don't forget to keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 15, though. This is a good verse. Galatians 2.16. Knowing, there's a lot to know. There's a lot to know. I love, when people say, Christians say, I don't know. I don't. No, there's a lot to know here. We got the mind of God right here. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Again, a repeat. But by faith. But by the faith of Jesus Christ. By the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So that helps you to understand why, maybe, my interpretation of it, I think it bears witness, why Paul says, and that faith, it's not of yourselves. We can't muster up enough faith. He had the perfect faith. The faith that pleased the Father. The perfect faith. So I have faith. I believe in the faith of Jesus Christ. You got it? That might help you. And then uh, also, uh, just write it down real quickly. Titus 3, 5. We're talking about the doctrine of salvation, which is fundamental. Fundamental. So when you come across a verse that says salvation, you got to be careful. What are we talking about? Titus 3, 5. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Has he said it enough times, Paul? But according to his mercy. His mercy. Oh, man, we need his mercy. Every breath I take, I need his mercy. I need his grace. Every breath I take. Our very existence is a product of God's mercy. Wow, his mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's as close as Paul's going to get to saying born again. And there's so many other verses. I'm sure you could add to this list. The doctrine of salvation. But did you notice one thing? There is no mention of memory in any of these verses. Or in any other verses except the one we're having a little problem with related to salvation. That ought to guide you. That ought to guide you. All right. And then in regards to staying saved, because you get saved, as we put it, even though it's a gift that we receive, but we say it, get saved. And then in regards to staying saved, Paul wrote a lot too. This one you got to see. This one you got to see, because this is a fundamental verse on the doctrine of eternal security, as we would put it. In Romans 8.38, 
fundamental verse. Fundamental. When someone, when, when I question my salvation, when I read something, I'm confused. I'm wondering, what's the salvation? Can I lose this salvation? I have to go to the Bible. It's facts, faith, feelings. Too much of Christianity, too much of our lives. Unfortunately, I get caught up in that too. I let my feelings guide me. I feel saved today. Uh, uh, I'm not saved today. Back and forth, back and forth. It's facts. What does the word of God say? Faith. Believe it. Obey it. Then the feelings. Anchor your feelings with what the word of God says. All right? Romans 8, 38. You there? For I am persuaded. Again, Paul writing. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, let me ask you this. Raise your hand right now if you know that you're in Christ Jesus. I said no, not feel. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's good. Who put you in Christ Jesus? God. God. Yes. Yes. God the Father. Because of the work of the Son. Amen. Amen. Can God the Father take you out of Christ Jesus? No. Unless God's a liar. And the book tells me he cannot lie. He cannot lie. He's all about truth. He's all about truth. Can you take yourself out of Christ? Well, if somehow you are some being outside of created beings, do you see what he's saying here? No, any other creature. You are a created being, folks. That means I put myself in this list. Nor you, Ed Keeley, you can't get yourself out of Christ. Because you didn't put yourself into Christ. Jesus, by his mercy and grace, put you there. And God, by his power, is going to keep you there. It's not on you. It's not on you. Those who question eternal security have a poor understanding of what salvation is. It's something God did for you that you can't do on your own. It never can. It's something that God keeps. That's fundamental doctrine, folks. Got to get that. And in 1 Corinthians 3.14, maybe you want to go there real quick. Got to speed it up. Got a lot to say. My mouth is bone dry. This is the first time this happened to me. I'm serious. I usually could talk, 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 talk. Today I'm so dry. 1 Corinthians 3.14. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Not a gift, reward. Work, work, says there. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Oh, listen to this. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Wow. This is a reference to the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne of judgment. It's important. The world confuses that. World, the lost world heads towards the great white throne of judgment. You and I, judgment seat of Christ. Amen. As saved people going to heaven, there's a judgment coming. Judgment seat of Christ. All right? So that's important to note. 
Salvation, once again, is a gift. It's not a reward. There's some key words here. Not of works, Paul says over and over again. But now he's talking about a work, a labor that we do in Jesus Christ. All right? Not, be, not to get saved, but because we're saved. That's important to note. And shame on that big worldwide cult and its leader that misinterprets this when it sees fire as the fires of purgatory. That's a teaching. Fires of purgatory. That's where you're going to be purged of your sins through thousands of years of suffering. Wow. Have you ever placed your finger in boiling water? Ouch. How about in fire? How about in fire? Think about it. Maybe you guys are too young. Some of you are too young to remember. Those people who jumped out of the windows in the trade center, it's because of the fire that they touched. They're willing to jump out of those windows because of the intensity of that fire. And you're thinking, ah, I'll spend the, that's a consolation. I'll just spend a couple of thousand years in purgatory. Are you kidding me? Not a second in purgatory. It doesn't exist. How I, listen, how crazy is this? I was giving someone a track the other day, and I said, hey, God bless you. He says, oh, I'm a good, you fill in the blank. I said, oh, great, great, great. I said, wow, good Catholic. And he stood on that, like, you know, he's a member of the club. He's a good Catholic. He's done his work. And I thought to myself, wow, wow. You mean one of those two thieves on the cross, simply by admitting he deserved death, and asking Jesus to remember him. No communion, no confirmation, didn't get his act cleaned up, didn't do any of those other works. And that thief knew he was going to paradise, but the top leader of this cult is not sure where he's going? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Come on, come on. Ephesians 1.13, you could just write it down quickly. In whom you also trusted, have you trusted? After you heard, you're hearing it now. The gospel of your salvation, that's what Paul preached. In whom also after you believe, are you willing to believe it? Are you willing to give God the benefit of the doubt? Why not? You got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose. Eternity to gain, right? He says, ye were sealed. Oh, I love that word. Sealed. With that Holy Spirit of promise, there's a promise, there's a promise, which is the earnest, that's the down payment of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, until the praise of his glory. That is evidence. The fact that the Holy Spirit is in us is evidence he's coming back. He's coming back for our bodies. Something marvelous is going to happen. Soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. Philippians 1, 6, Paul says, there's so many verses, I'm going to give you a couple more. Being confident of this very thing, confident of this thing, not in myself, of this thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's rapture. Listen, I've let go of Jesus' hands. I've been saved since age uh, 18. I'm old now. Let me tell you something. I've let go of his hands, but he never let go of my hands. Never. Let me tell you. Never. Man, God is so good. God is so good. So chill out. Chill out. Chill out. Chill out. And this this verse right here, 
Maybe we'll write this one down too. Last one, because there's so many. You could add to the list. On eternal security. This is one of my favorites because it's short and sweet. 2 Timothy 2.13. Short and sweet. It says, if we believe not. Oh, you see? If you believe not. If you believe not. If you believe not. Yet he abideth faithful. Oh, man. You bet he abideth faithful. His name is Faithful, capital F, and True, capital T. You bet he's going to abide faithful. My God, my God. He cannot deny himself. Why? And he can't deny us because we're in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Am I getting too loud? I got to calm down. So look, 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 look. There was no mention of memory in those verses either. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to keeping salvation... Forget the memory. So if I fall on my head, God forbid if I get dementia, horrible disease. Guess what? God ain't forgetting. God ain't forgetting. God ain't forgetting. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's break this down a little. I don't have much time. I don't got much water left. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, comma, if we keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Okay, Paul calls them brethren. Listen, this isn't like, uh, remember those 200-word compositions? He says, go home, do a 200-word composition. You're like, oh my God, 200 words. I can only come up with 10. Time to add the fluff and the nutter, right? No, no, no. That's not the way it works with God. Every word of God is perfect. There's no fluff here, right? God means what he says and says what he means. So we got to park on every word here, right? It's called a word. So why does Paul call or address the Corinthians as brethren? You know the answer. Are they physically or spiritually related? Spiritually. Amen, 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 amen. All right? How so? How so? Well, because they too are born again. The spirit that is in Paul is the same spirit that was in them, which is the same spirit that's in you if you've been born again. That's why we call each other's brothers and sisters in Christ, right? I know it, you know, listen, to be friendly with the world, you know, the guy pumps my gas, he says, that'll be five dollars, brother. I'm not going to tell the guy, you're not my brother. And then give him a track, we don't know about you. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I used to be part of that family, Adam's family. Now I'm part of God's family. Woo! Woo! But we got to be careful with that because we, we call the word brothers, you know, maybe the guys on your team, my brothers, right? At work, my brothers. You got to be careful with that because uh, the spirit in them is not the spirit in you. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Romans 8.8, 8. Romans 8.8, 8. you can just check it. Romans 8.8, 8. just check it. We got a lot of verses here. This is First Bible Church. Romans 8.8. 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. A rabbi cannot please God. An iman cannot please God. In the flesh, they can't do it until they got that spirit. But ye are not in the flesh. He's talking to Roman Christians. This isn't from uh, Vatican Rome. He's talking to Roman Christians who were hiding Bible studies back then. All right. He says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. What 
Christianity is so advanced as a religion. It's not you climbing up to the mountain to get a peek at God, be good. No, it's God coming down. Wow. It's not God just around us, God within us. In us. Wow. I love that word, man. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He is none of his. And if Christ be in you, is he? The body is dead because of sin. Yeah, this body is dead. God counts it dead. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God's in you, they are the sons of God. And daughters too, ladies. Don't worry. All right? For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's what the world religions offer you. Bondage. Always fearing, never knowing. No, no. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. Wow. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bear witness with us, that our spirit, that we are the children of God. Does he bear witness with your spirit? Come on. As Pesadino always says, there is no way, it is impossible that you did not notice a change when the God of this big universe came to dwell inside of you. Don't tell me you felt the same as before. I'm not saying it had to be something dramatic, screaming and crying, but there has to be a change. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Again, we're there. So, according to Paul, what made the Corinthians his brethren? He says it. Just read your Bible. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. Paul preached unto them the gospel. Now, the gospel has many meanings. Simply put, it's good news. Go to Webster's Dictionary. It's got a whole paragraph of information what the gospel is. But Paul tells us some key points, three key points right here. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. See, Paul received it. How that Christ died for our sins. How? According to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day. How? According to the scriptures. And it is so important, these three points. That in Romans 10, 9, when Paul speaks about that gospel call, that call to salvation, in Romans 10, 9, he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Those are three key points. Now, he says they received it. Every word is important. He preached they received in John 1.11, you could just check that off as a verse to look at later. It says, speaking of Jesus, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. How sad is that? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? The sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, receive, believe. They go together. Look, uh, it's all over the place. John 17.8, just a quick reference. Check it. For I have given unto them, Jesus speaking, that prayer of Jesus to the Father, the Son to the Father. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, 
and have known surely that I came from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Receive, believe. They go together. They go together. All right? Did you notice that? Paul says that about himself in verse 15, 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Look at it. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Received. Like the Corinthians received it. All right? So it's important how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So didn't Paul believe when he received it? Amen. Amen. And so did the Corinthians. They believed also. They received and believed. That's a key point. They key point. And he even says that at the end of verse 2. Doesn't it say they believed? Look at it for yourself. The Corinthians received and believed and got saved. That's why he calls them brothers and sisters. As Paul received and believed. That's important to note. Every word counts. Okay, let's keep reading. It says here, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, verse 1, I told you I was going to park on this verse, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. What was the result of the Corinthians having received and believed the gospel? He says it. Wherein ye stand. He says it. By which also ye are saved. That's the result. That's the fruit of it. Now, I want you to go to this first, though. Keep you figuring first. Because uh, Paul says uh, this a lot about, about standing. About standing and saved. He says a lot in all the books. Now, I want you to see some key ones right here. So I make a distinction. In Romans 5.1. Uh, 5, Romans 5.1. 5, go down. Got to run, got to run. Romans 5.1. He says, speaking to the Romans, Christians, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Break it down there, justified. Just as if you had never sinned. Amen. By faith, simply taking God at his word. Amen. Think about this. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer enemies. Amen. Wow. Amen. That's good, Right? Because of what? Because of the blood of Jesus that reconciles us now and forever. We're no longer enemies. Then he says in verse 2. So that's the believe aspect by faith. Verse 2. Romans 5, 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Wow. Think about this. Because of Jesus, we now are justified and have access by faith. Into what? This grace, this unmerited favor, right? Now and forever. That God, that God would give us the Holy Spirit within, all right? Which is an unlimitless source of power. An unlimitless source of comfort, of purpose. That's how they stood, the Corinthians, Important, important. But it wasn't just at the moment of their salvation. Right? It was from that point on. They had access to that grace. They had access to it. Right? That's important to note. All right? And so, 2 Corinthians one twenty four. just check it. It says, for, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but our help is of joy. For by faith ye stand... From the moment of salvation and until he returns. 
Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit. See, it's not stagnant. It's from the moment of salvation continue with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Again, Paul says, By which also ye are saved... 1 Corinthians 15, 2. Let's go back there, because this is where the hook is. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Okay, so now listen. One way, and I think a good way of understanding this verse, is by showing that the word saved here pertains to one's testimony rather than their eternal salvation. See, every time we hear the word saved, we think it's going to bring us back to Calvary. No, saved could pertain to your Walk as a Christian. Not becoming a Christian, but living as a Christian. All right? All right? And, and, and let me give you a couple of verses to support that position. Because it's a little hard to see here. I'm going to give you two obvious verses where saved doesn't mean eternal salvation. It has to do with your walk. Look, go to, this you need to see. Go to 1 Timothy 2.15. First, all the T's are together in your Bible. Go to 1 Timothy. Thank you, Wayne Weckman. 1 Timothy 2.15. Let's read this verse together. And ask yourself, wow, is he talking about Calvary? Or he's talking about judgment seat of Christ? Look what he says. Speaking of women, 1 Timothy 2.15. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. What? This means that only women who have babies get into heaven? Is that what he's talking about? Of course not. He can't mean that. Can't mean that. Listen, listen. He's talking here about a woman's testimony. Listen to those attributes there. And those women who have babies. I'm not saying if you don't have babies, you can't qualify here. He's talking about the qualities of that testimony, of that walk. If you continue in faith and charity with sobriety. That's a walk that will be commended at the judgment seat of Christ. That's a walk that will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Think about it. Think about it. And listen, gentlemen, the same applies to men. Same applies to men, except men can't have babies. Let me repeat this. Men cannot have babies. It is a biological fact, as in truth. If you are born biologically sex male, then it's written in your DNA. Every cell in your body has it written who you are, a male. So surgery isn't going to change that. We're living in a crazy world. I believe in true science. Because true science doesn't oppose the truth. It points me to Jesus and God. I'll give you one other example. How saved doesn't mean what you think it is initially. Look, same book, 1 Timothy 4.16. 1 Timothy 4.16. He's speaking to Timothy, 1 Timothy. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Whoa, wait a second. The doctrine that Paul taught Timothy, he had to continue it? He had to do? 
Otherwise, you wouldn't be saved? Come on, of course not. Of course not. That's not what he's talking about. The doctrine of salvation is faith plus nothing. Nothing. So you got to make a distinction. you got to make a division here. All right? He's not talking about eternal salvation here. He's talking about that walk, that walk as a Christian, which will be judged. Not to determine heaven or hell. That's been done. Determine rewards. You see, Christ is real. It's reality. Might be coming soon. So go back to 1 Corinthians 15 too. Having this in mind. Having this in mind. 1 Corinthians 15. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preach, unless ye have believed in vain. So since we've established that whether you believe uh, in vain or believe not in vain, believing is what gets you saved, it can't be about that eternal salvation. You follow? It can't be. However, their testimony, their testimony, their walk as Christians did depend on their memory. All right? That's important. Keeping the gospel in memory means not forgetting why the Lord saved you. Oh, he saved me because he loves me. Yes, he does. He wants me to go to heaven. Yes, he does. But he saved you for a greater purpose. There's a greater purpose for us getting to heaven? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. He saved you for a purpose, a much greater purpose. Salvation is a ticket to heaven. Come on. You know that. It's not a ticket to heaven. Salvation is a call to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And to do what? To join the fight against evil. Against evil. Man, it's evil out there. So, listen. If we don't keep in memory the gospel, we're going to be saved without a purpose. That's not good. That's not good. We're going to be of no use in the hands of the master. I want to be of use. And that will negatively impact your judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. So, if you're not saved... Meaning if you haven't been born again, this message is more towards those who are saved. Amen. See, we, we battle against evil by the power of God because we're saved, not to get saved. You follow? 1 Corinthians 15, 9, 11. Let me prove it out right here in context. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 11. Listen to what Paul said. For I am the least of the apostles that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. There's that word again. Why? Why, Paul? But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. But the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether whether it were I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. See, Paul kept the gospel in memory. He wasn't saved in vain. Okay? He yielded to that grace, that grace he received from the moment of salvation. That's what empowered him, right? And as a result, he labored more abundantly than they all, than the rest of the apostles. 14 out of 27 books. Come on. 
Okay? Paul isn't telling the Corinthians to rely on their flesh. He's not saying that. We can't labor for the Lord in our flesh. That's not pleasing to the Lord. Right? He wants them to tap into the same power that he tapped into. Here's a verse you can keep in mind. Check this out. Philippians 2.12. We have so many verses. I'm almost done. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed. This is such a favorite verse. Not as in my presence only, first, uh, Philippians 2.12, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, I love this verse, which worketh in you to do what? Both to will and to do. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. It says work out, not work for. Work out, work out. All right? And you know what's amazing? The grace that was available to Paul is the same grace available to you and I. Wow! Think about that. Stop with it. Oh, Paul, he was, you know, he was a lawyer. He was a genius. Obviously he was. But we can tap into that same grace to live our God potential, to glorify him how he made us. He made no mistakes. He made no mistakes. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the fourth vein. Look what he says here. 1 Corinthians 15, 15. Here's the fourth vein. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in what? In the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. There's a reward coming. Steadfast, immovable, always abounding. How does that happen? You got to keep it in memory. Keep that gospel in memory. Don't forget what Jesus did for you. I pray to God I never get over Jesus Christ. What he did for me. You don't know me like I know know me, and he knew me better. Man, man. I want to keep that gospel in memory. I want to read my Bible. I want to believe my Bible. I want to be my Bible. I want to pray, and I want to tell others. I want to tell others, each and every one of us. Our paths cross people, unsaved people, unsaved lost ones, unsaved friends, people at the market, people at the gas station, people everywhere. Come on. Come on, it's time to shine. It's time to reach out. It's time to reach out in the name of Jesus. Get over yourself. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to look like a freak. Are you kidding me? Have you seen the freaks out there? Come on. Come on. Oh, I'm going to feel weird holding up this sign. Really? Have you seen their signs? Shame on them. Shame on them. There's nothing to be ashamed about Jesus Christ. Nothing. 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 Come on. Come on. So why should I labor? I'm going to heaven. I'm good. Well, reason number one, because what we believe is the truth. It's true. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Jesus Christ really was crucified. Jesus Christ really did get buried. And three days exactly as he promised according to the scripture, he really was resurrected. 
It's a truth. It's a truth. That's some lie. It's not our own truth. It's the truth. It's important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is backed by evidence that demands a verdict. Demands a verdict. Look what he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 5. Almost done. And that he was seen of who? Of Cephas, then of the twelve. Ain't that something? The one who denied him thrice, his first one to see him? That wasn't a coincidence. That's on purpose. That's a message in itself. Then of the twelve, they refer to as the twelve. We know Judas skipped, right? Hey, if Jesus had not resurrected, do you think they would have left that upper room? They were scared. Look what they did to their leader. They're coming for them next. But no, Jesus conquered death. He came through those walls twice. He gave them the breath of life. And they went out. They hit the streets. And they turned the world upside down. And thank God for them. That's why we're here. He says here, uh, uh, seed of the 12. Then he says here, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. 500 at once. That wasn't mass delusion. 500 people. You could check out the historicity of the resurrection of Christ. It meets all the standards. This was an historical event. Check out other sources, if you will. Check out Josephus. Check out Titus. Tacitus, this thing was real, all right? Reason number two, we ought to labor. Because we love God. I would not know love. Listen, my mother loved me, not the way God loved me. I would not know love, true love, God's love, without Jesus Christ. He loved me. He loves you. But God so what? Love the world. Galatians 2.20. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who what? Loved me. This is a, this is a love story. Don't let the religions of the world put this down. This ain't a book of do's and don'ts. This is a love story. He loves us. Man. Reason number three. It's reasonable to serve God. You look it up later, Romans 12.1. It's your reasonable service. When you consider all that God did for you and me, how can you not yield to his power? Come on. Come on. Come on. Reason number four. Because there's a hope beyond the grave. You read, you read, you read here. You read 1 Corinthians 15. It speaks about our resurrected bodies. Man, I'm getting a new body. I'm going to fly someday like an eagle. Yeah, come on. I don't know about you. I know you young guys, your muscles don't hurt, your bones don't hurt. I know, I know, I know. But think about it. A resurrected body. Oh, come on. Come on, man. You believe that? Yes, I do. Yes, sir. What do you believe? What do you believe? Come on. Big Bang? Hmm? That's what you believe? Big Bang, matter and energy, mindless motion, right? What came before the Big Bang? Come on. Big Dud. Big Dud. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Come on, get real. Makes no sense. Come on. It's a poor excuse. Oh, I don't believe in Big Bang. 
came from the aliens. I see, aliens. They seeded their DNA, you see, on this planet. And here we are, voila. Okay. Where'd they come from? Where'd they come from? Think about it. Think about it. Reason number five. We ought to labor because you knew this was coming because I've said it throughout the message. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm trying to scare you. Trying to provoke you. All right? 2 Corinthians 5.10. As Pastor Mel used to say, the founding uh, pastor of uh, first, first Bible, which was then Bible Baptist, payday, someday. Payday, someday. I remember that old man. Praise the Lord. He's in heaven now. No doubt about it. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Look what it says here. For we must what? All appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Say the ticket to heaven. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he have done, whether it be good or bad. Man, I want the Lord to say, well done, my son. Don't you? Don't you? We have to keep that gospel in memory. Right? So that we can labor. Labor for the master. And we'll be rewarded. I'm not working primarily for the reward because in the end, I'm going to give those crowns back to him because it was through his power. I got that. But there's going to be a reward. There's going to be a reward. And I want to avoid the shame and the blame of living a selfish life because that's what my flesh wants me to do. 2 Corinthians 5.11. I'm almost done. Last page. Here we are. Hey, who said amen till I'm almost done? 2 Corinthians 5.11. Knowing therefore, here's where I'm going to get into a little trouble. Some of you, a bunch of you are going to be checking me out here. Here we go. Larry Staggs is going to say, brother, about that part. 2 Corinthians 5.11. He's my shotgun. In case you start throwing stones at me, I got Larry. Back me up. 2 Corinthians 5.11. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. You know, I don't know if he's going to look like, you know, like in those chick tracks, you know, they're, they're really playing the terror of the Lord, you know, you know, this gigantic God, you know, I think we're going to see Jesus when we get there, but knowing the terror of the Lord, his, his magnificence, getting a full view, not a peak like the, the, like the, the disciples did that day in the transfiguration, a full view of who Jesus is, the terror of the Lord, wow, knowing the terror of the Lord, what does he do, he says, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also made manifest in your conscience. He's saying, you know the life I lived. Check me out in your conscience. You know what, that I walked when I talked. I don't think these men, here come the stones, I don't think these men are lost men. I don't think this is persuading men about heaven and hell. I think these are saved men at the, Jesus, at the judgment seat of Christ, and he's persuading saved men then in that time about the lives they ought to live. Look what he says, 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ constraineth me. His love for me and my love for him. The love of Christ constraineth me. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Constraineth us, forgive me. But I take it personal. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, here it is. That they which live should not henceforth 
live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Man, keep that gospel in memory. Don't live unto yourself. Don't be saved in vain. By his power. By his power. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much.